Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today's talk with Suit Shop's Director of Marketing, Kristen Jones, is a masterclass on customer lifecycle marketing. Suit Shop, recently rebranded from the Groomsman Suit, is the solution for black tie attire that can be purchased for less than the cost of a traditional rental. Kristen has a long history of SaaS and D2C marketing. She's got a true passion for the space as both a marketer and a consumer. So this interview is filled with interesting insights. On this cast, we cover the costs and benefits of the Suit Shop rebrand, how Kristen took ROAS from 3X to 10X in just three months, how a TikTok video Kristen filmed in just a few minutes went viral and why, how the suit shop drives 50% of their traffic through non-paid means, why trade shows are a smart place for leads in the wedding industry, and why the customer lifecycle journey of the wedding space is a finely tuned dance, and how Kristen learned all the steps, and we'll share them with you in this awesome podcast. On with the show. This is something that I see a lot now with Facebook experts. I've seen people with hundreds of dollars per purchase at the 16 to 65 plus. They're just blowing money on this like huge section of people that are literally never gonna purchase on your site. I can do top of funnel broad that's still very targeted at the same time. You can get somebody who's looking at engagement rings. You can get somebody who's recently engaged. Things have changed slightly, but I'm very targeted on Facebook, even at the very top of the funnel. This podcast is sponsored by Klaviyo, the email and text marketing platform that puts D2C brands in control. If you're the leader of a D2C brand, you need a platform that hustles as hard as you do. Klaviyo unlocks the power of your e-commerce data so you can personalize and automate messages that keep customers coming back. D2C brands communicate with Klaviyo. Get started for free at klaviyo.com DTC. Welcome to the D2C podcast, Kristen. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to ask if you could give us the why of the suit shop. Tell us a little bit about the origin story of this brand. All right, first, thank you for having me. Um, to dive right into suit shop, we were formerly the groomsman suit and our co-founders are childhood best friends and Jean Foley, um, one of the co-founders, she was getting married years ago and her groom and their groomsmen had a really hard time like finding the right fit. They ended up going with men's Men's warehouse don't really want to like bash them or anything, but you know, it's a typical rental that everyone's familiar with. And if you look at their photos, it's actually quite like hysterical that there's like a smaller, stockier guy that has like two shorts of pants that are also really too big on him at the same time. And then the, everybody's just kind of mi mix matched. And basically that enlightened Jean into the fact that there was like this huge gap in the market that you couldn't get a well-fitted suit without paying outrageous prices. Instead, you were just forced to like rent these off the rack um, kind of predetermined sets. So Jean actually has a background in fashion design, technical fashion design. So she's really good at making everything um, fit how it's supposed to so that everybody can look really good. So she paired up with her best friend, uh, Diana Gans, and they launched the groomsman suit about five and a half years ago now. So very quickly, um, they realized that they needed to kind of expand. There were women trying to buy their men's suiting, and they realized there was another gap in the market that they could fill. So Jean went to work, and for a couple of years, actually, they spent time developing the fit of our women's suits and tuxedos. So now we have men's and women's suits and tuxedos that are completely complementary to each other. They're exactly the same color, styles, et cetera. And 
we all, we began realizing that like not everybody we suit is a groomsman. So the groomsman suit, while it was great for SEO, was not really representative of who we're suiting on a regular basis. So that kind of started discussions about suit shop and generally just rebranding. I don't think anybody really truly knew what the name was going to officially be from the very first day of discussions. But by the time I joined in November of last year, suit shop was already kind of like the dreamed up name. We knew we were going into that last, um, I guess this year in the spring. So it's been a great opportunity to really represent everybody that we sue. And while we still have gendered naming conventions for like our suits and tuxedos, I mean, it's kind of necessary. Um, I wouldn't say necessary, but it's very important. I would say to like the general structure of our site and search terms and things like that. When people are searching, even though that we still have those gendered names, we really do cater to anybody and everybody. Our suits are sold as separates. So you can own your suit for 194 and you can mix and match tops and bottoms. If you want to get a full men's suit and you've got a really long top and an extra short bottom, like we have that. Um, if you want to have a more androgynous look and have a men's top with women's pants, you can do that. If you want to have a full woman's suit, like we literally can do anything that someone wants and have something that suits everybody. So that's really what transitioned us in from the Grimson suit to suit shop. And it's been about, I'd say like six months since we became suit shop. And it's been so great to like be a part of that. So that's our story. Yeah, that's a great story. And and it, it must've been a little nerve wracking to go from a name that is like you say, an SEO term, something that people are searching. They just associate it's the default way of thinking to something that like, so suit shop sounds great. It's actually, it is a great brand. But I bet there was a worry at the time that you were, you know, going to something less specific or less memorable or something. But it just sounds like it just opened up your your marketing massively. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, it, you know, Diana, the, our other co-founder, I've mentioned Jean a lot. Diana's been from the get-go, like very tuned in with our SEO. She knows how many times we've been searched, like every hour, <laughs> like refreshing SEMrush. Um, so that was a big thing. And it was like the scariest thing. I think a lot of our clientele and couples don't even realize like we didn't have to make this switch, but we chose to make the switch. And it was a very, very scary switch. Um, but to be honest with you, that's we'll probably talk about this more, but that's the importance of hiring a really good SEO agency or having somebody on your team who's very familiar with these things because there's little things, even if you're not rebranding, that people I don't think realize are negatively impacting them, whether it's your product or collection pages are competing against each other, or you've got these little things here and there that are just making these big differences that you don't realize. So we did have a very, and we still actually have this agency we work with on a regular basis, but we work with an SEO agency to really make sure that every page was redirecting appropriately if people were still searching the groomsman suit. And we were working with them to make sure that our pages on suit shop were not conflicting with each other and strategizing new landing pages and how we could compete with our competitors. So while it was very scary, we saw a small dip, like a very small dip when we for the first like six weeks, but we've come back better than ever. We used to be on like the 50th page for one of our search terms. I can't remember exactly which one it was. I think it was just like men's suits or men's tuxedos. And now we're like within the first page and a half. And so we've really jumped up like quite a lot actually since changing. And Suit Shop, like you said, it's a really good general name. Like it encompasses what we are. You can buy suits or shop, Suit Shop. With that being said, it is also a commonly searched term. Um, you know, if you're looking, especially where we have three physical locations. So if you're searching Suit Shop Denver, you might get 
some of our top competitors that pop up first because of just the keyword like aspect of things. So um, there are some small things there that are impacted because of our new name. But for the most part, it's been like super seamless. And if anything has made us do better and will impact us better long term. So really excited um, that we we made the made the switch this year. So you're seeing these latent SEO benefits, they're catching up all of that. Now, what other benefits have there been to sort of make a change that big? It's obviously suits your customers. That's obviously the biggest thing you're just seeing it reflect what your customers actually are wanting from your brand. But what other benefits have you seen? Have you been able to gain PR around this? Has it really informed your marketing campaign specifically to be able to go into all these different sort of use cases now? I would say yes and no. Like no in the fact that not is more of like a not yet. Um, there, while we are very excited about Suit Shop being Suit Shop and not the Grimson Suit because of what that opens up for our marketing, it hasn't been something we focused on this year. And again, this might be something we talk about in a little more depth later. But you know, this year, second to next year, 2022, has been the busiest wedding year in you know, since the eighties. So we've got millions of weddings happening and there's just me. I'm the only person on the marketing team besides my co-founder, my business development manager. And we recently hired someone who does copywriting part-time. It's just me. So there's not a lot of time to say, let's market to four different channels. Cause we could do suit shop for weddings, suit shop for prom, suit shop for black tie events. You know, there's all these different things that we could do. Um, and we want to do them. It just hasn't been there yet. Um, however, we have seen a lot more of that start to come through, a lot more opportunities to work with influencers in that way. I have a lot of people reach out to us now that are just needing suits for a one-off event. Um, prior to Suit Shop, when we were the groomsman suit, our customer service was seeing a lot of like, hey, can I order a suit if I'm not in a wedding? Because we request a, an event date at checkout. So, you know, there were some conflicts there that Suit Shop has kind of alleviated a little bit. Other than that type of immediate impact, I would say... The response we got from our audiences, from our existing customers, from prospective customers that didn't want to shop with us because of our gendered name, you know, now they can shop with us because they saw that we made these changes that we didn't have to, to be able to represent all communities a bit better. So we work with a lot of wedding professionals and they also feel a lot better supporting our brand. And it, so it's had a lot of ripple effects in various areas, but for the other marketing aspects of things like that's a not yet, like 2022, hopefully, but 2022 is also going to be super busy with weddings. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens on, on that side of things, but it's definitely on our radar and something we're excited about. And you've created an amazing launching pad, you know, that you can build that kind of customization off of if, if you if you deem it necessary, kind of as you go. And you answered a bunch, bunch of questions there. I was going to ask, like, what the marketing team looks like. I hear it's you. I was looking at your Twitter and I was seeing some of the, the collaboration you're doing with Social Savannah, who I've also met, a really lovely person. But how you had said, like, traditionally, you're even doing a lot of the video edits for some of the ads and stuff. So you're a very hands-on marketing director. Soup to nuts, as they say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a very hands-on marketing director. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the stuff that I do with Social Savannah is kind of not related to Suit Shop. I mean, I probably love to work with her with Suit Shop and, you know, there is an opportunity there for sure. But as we expand into those other marketing channels, that you know, audiences that we were talking about just a minute ago, but that is like a totally different thing. That's like my side passion projects. I love making content. And so, and something that kind of fueled that 
is one of the first videos that I made for Sue Shop. I think it was maybe my third week. You know, you we've got that as like a topic. It's like, it was my third week at Suit Shop and I was, you know, I'm still super into TikTok. I love watching TikToks. I think it makes me an informed marketing director, but I literally make a video with my phone, like, you know, recording my screen. Like I'm not screen recording. I'm taking a video like, hey, get this off this website basically. And that video, I had no expectations of it. I was just kind of having fun and showing my new boss what I could do, you know? Um, and it got 60,000 views overnight and our, you know, search team at the time, we had a paid search team at the time and we still do, but they were like, Hey, um, what did you do on Monday night? You had a 20% bump in site traffic. And so it was like, I had always kind of joked around. I had this like alter ego on my Instagram stories where I'd be like, hi, I have this product and like joke, but then it turned into this real persona. Um, so it's, that's more of a passion project, but I do create a lot of the content for Suit Shop as well, whether it's these like videos like that that I make on for fun or if I'm, I'll work right alongside a creative director if we have this like an actual planned shoot or if I'm working with a creator, I give them like very detailed briefs of like, this is what you should focus on, you know, put it in your own words. I'm not forcing you to say these things, but here's our like top performing things that mean the most to us. Here are some example styles of how you can make it. So I'm super hands-on in all of it. I wanted to ask just briefly about that, the video itself that, that boosted your traffic by 20%, 60K views. What do you think it was that was the hook in that? Like, what was the aspect of it that made it go? Because you could have, a, you know, hundred videos that, that'll have a couple hundred, you know, views or whatever. What made that catch on? just that little bit. I think this is the easy answer for me. Um, at the time that I recorded it was November, the biggest month by almost double, like by 100% for proposals and engagements is December. Like people around family and it's holidays, like it goes from having like 7% of the year's uh, engagements on an average month to like 20% of the year's engagements happen in December. So with that being said, my hook was it's engagement season. So if you're getting engaged, this is for you. And that's literally the hook. And it's recording a picture of someone getting married on my screen with the groomsman suit pulled up. So that it's the most basic thing. It's ever. a powerful yeah. emotion. Very powerful emotions around. Yeah. It, right? I mean, brides or grooms or whoever like that's planning a wedding, like after that initial moment of proposal, I think that a lot of us don't really grasp what goes into wedding planning. And so you start just diving into it, Pinterest boards, looking it up. You might've already started a little bit, but like you kind of forget, like you need someone to be there for the day of coordination. You need a planner, you need a photographer, a videographer, a DJ, all these things. So if you're able in the wedding industry to capture someone in those first moments of excitement, you're probably going to stick with them, even if they're not purchasing. And this goes into like purchase behavior for wedding industry. That's a whole nother topic. But like a lot of times we're getting people six to 12 months out at the top of funnel, but they're really not purchasing until 60 to 90 days, if not even 30 days before the wedding. So I need to nurture somebody for almost a full year before I can convert them most of the time, unless they're very last minute planners. <laughs> That's interesting. What has been your most successful thing to do that? Are you, are you doing lead gen? Are you doing lead magnets, fit guides, things like that to keep you in touch? Like how are you keeping that life cycle alive for, for a year? Yeah. So we have a few things. Um, some of this is stuff that I implemented when I started. Some of it has been like longer term efforts that I've like tweaked a little bit. So, and you know, also things that we've discussed about chatting about, but like 
you know, I'm a very like traditional marketer in terms of like sending people through a full funnel. Like I want to make sure that all their questions are answered. They know what the experience is going to be like, all of these things from the start to the finish. So that's a lot of like what is required in such a long life cycle like this. So we do have a few like very targeted, um, like lead generation channels, I would say like we partner with a few brands where we give away a suit once a month. And that brings us in a few thousand email lists. Like people are trying to get their suit for their wedding. That's their audience. These are very highly targeted leads for us. Um, so if I get one to 3000 new email leads a month for giving away a suit and obviously a little side charge, um, that's like a great starting place. And so we have a, an email flow. If you sign up on our site, whether you order a swatch and you input your event date because of the swatch, or you sign up for an email somewhere and we have your event date from example, that lead generation list I just mentioned, I have a flow in Clavio that triggers every month starting at 12 months from the wedding. So it'll say one year countdown next month. Like, and we we're kind of, it's not all about sales. Like that first month, we give them a checklist. The sec- the 11th month out, we start talking about, I honestly don't even remember, but like we have swatches in one. We have something about, you know, if you need somebody to edit your vowels or help somebody write like the best man speech, we've got some recommendations there. If you need father of the bride suits or mother of the bride suits, like, you know, for example, um, and we just send them through this whole 12 month drip. But it's funny because the open rates across all of them are anywhere from 75 to 40 percent. But when you get down to the end, all of the purchases are at three months when you send that three month, two month reminder. So um you know that people are finding value in it as they kind of slide down that that funnel. So that's one way. Um, another way is having a funnel of approach on Facebook. Instead of doing these broad audience targeting, that is like the most ridiculous thing to do in the wedding industry. And honestly, I think it's super lazy to do as a marketer in general. But um, obviously with iOS changes, like we have to adapt. But anyway, um, I start people with a video like the TikTok I mentioned in the beginning that says like, you know, if you're getting engaged, it's for you. And then we also have a very long, like expensive video that we paid to produce that gives you a full rundown of the experience of what suit shop is and like how, you know, what the process is like. So we start people at the very top of the funnel and then retarget them a lot, you know, over the next, however long they're on our site or, um, how long they've been engaging with us. So they get re-engaged probably like four to six times based off exact content that they viewed. Um, how, hot of a lead they are. are they abandoning a car are they only or have they just visited our website or have they just watched a video from you know higher up in the funnel so we have a lot of various places in the funnel to retarget them and basically just a lot of retargeting and a lot of just like this nurtured marketing you know as their wedding planning yeah no it's a really neat opportunity to be able to you know you know when in your onboarding when their day is kind of and so you sort of have an idea of their of their life cycle. And then you can go along with them. That idea that like, you know, you're probably providing things that make their whole wedding experience potentially better uh, in these emails. Are you literally just sending one a month or is it multiple a month? So we have the one a month and the 12 month drip. And then there are various other emails that go out, like whether we have an email campaigns that go out on like to our engaged couples. Um, We have something that's also unique is while we now are a team of 16, as of like a week ago, we had been a team of 10 up until about a month ago was when we added the other six people. Um, but, and two out of those 10 people are developers. 
the, there's four more of them that were customer service, two co-founders, and then two marketers slash business developers. I don't know if that was everybody, but you get the point. We had a lot of focus on customer support, and then the other focus was on development. So we have a spe- we have a spe- we have special tools in our system that are custom built to us. So we have a wedding management dashboard where the bridegroom group creator, best man, whoever, uh, can go in and set up a group and say, this is the wedding date. These are the required purchases. These are optional purchases. If you have like your own white t-shirt or, you know, white dress shirt, for example. And so we have this. And with that being said, so there's a whole nother line of automated messages that kind of follow up with either the group creator who needs to finish setting up their group, or if they're in the group and haven't ordered, we have a lot of follow-ups there as well. And thankfully, Clavio has approved those as transactional because those people have already set their groups up and they need to place the order. So we've gotten you know through a couple of things there, but we do have various places that we touch them that aren't just that 12-month drip. Um, and as you get deeper into that 12-month, we'll, we go down to like every two weeks uh, leading up to the wedding, they start getting emails. And after the 45, 30-day mark, all of those are just you know helpful emails. None of them are for additional sales at that point. Like we don't have anything else to sell them once they've converted. So we're I just, was going to ask, like, what do you say? You don't, you don't want to say for your next wedding, you, you know, <laughs> that, uh, that wouldn't work at all. Um, for your kid's prom, you could just start saying for your child, for your child's prom, make sure you're thinking of us. Yeah. That's a or bit, bit long though. Last, the last year and even still presently, it's hard to like encourage people to be like, go to these big black tie events, get on a cruise, go, go to the casino, like, you know, go like what, you know, it's hard to encourage those things. But at the same time, when you own a suit instead of renting it, you're, when you're presented with those opportunities, you're way more likely to go because you're not worried about like, oh, now I got to figure out what I'm going to wear to this like black tie event. You're already good to go. Um, so there are, there is opportunities there to like follow up with them after their wedding. And we have a, we have plenty of people that come multiple times. Like we have like kind of a 27 dresses story kind of happening right now. There's a guy that has been in three or four wedding parties with us. And now he's getting married using us as the groom. So, you know, we have a lot of those types of like retention stories, but otherwise retention's a little bit different for us just because of how weddings work and how the life cycle works with our clients and our couples. But thankfully going into 2022, we're launching six new colorways that are not like very specific to weddings. They're cooler, um, more bold colors that like you can wear outside of the wedding. So hopefully we'll see a little bit more of like retention and um, in that capacity where we've got actual people coming back because they loved the suit and they want various colors versus like grays and blues. So you, you mentioned a little bit about Iowa, about targeting. First of all, top of funnel for Suit Shop, a lot of it coming from lead generation. I think that's super interesting. Um, what else do you do top of funnel? Do you even do you use paid social top of funnel? You were mentioning going broad with winnings is not a smart strategy because you're only targeting a very small section of people. What, what else is working for you top of funnel with a with a niche like this? Yeah, so we have Pinterest. Um, paid social is, is big. So we have our Pinterest, obviously. Uh, we do a lot of consideration with them, keyword searches, interests. Pinterest is like a no-brainer for weddings. That's like the first place you go when you're planning a wedding. I'm not even engaged and I'm planning a wedding on Pinterest, you know? Um, and then there's there's also paid social on Facebook. We do very top of funnel. And you know, I can do top of funnel broad that's still very targeted at the same time. So, you know, you can get somebody who's looking at engagement rings. You can get somebody who's, you know, act like recently engaged. I can, 
things have changed slightly, but I, I'm very targeted on Facebook, uh, even at the very top of the funnel. And I do video view campaigns just to get them kind of interested watching. And what I've come to find, and maybe this is the same across the board, because I see it in other ad accounts that choose to try this method. Not everyone does because they've been told not to. But um, a lot of the times in the video views, people are watching uh, up to 90% of the time, like over 50% of the audience stays till 100%. So I would say about 80 to 90% of the people stay to the 90% mark. And at that point, those to me are people who wanted to know what we had to say. And then I get to retarget them in like a into a deeper consideration. I'm still not asking them to convert at that point. I'm asking them to kind of go into more of like a traffic campaign, hit my, why not a rental landing page, hit my swatch landing page, order a swatch, order, you know, just look around, set up a trial, set up a group. All, you know, all these things are conversion events to us, even if it's not like a direct purchase. So I have like a lot of opportunities to start very high, low consideration at the top and work them down in multiple steps. So it's not just lead gen um, from an email perspective. It's very, very top of funnel, Google, Pinterest, and Facebook as well. So, yeah. Need high quality, fully licensed UGC? With MiniSocial, you can produce beautiful, authentic, and fully licensed user-generated content featuring your products with micro-influencer creators. D2C brands like Native, Olipop, Hydrant, and others love working with MiniSocial as a way to populate their organic social acquisition channels, website, and beyond, while also competing dollar for dollar with traditional influencer activations on Instagram and TikTok. Get started on a campaign at minisocial.com today. Because I have such a hands-on marketing director, let, let's talk a little bit about iOS 14.5, iOS 15. What I, I, I got to ask, what, what changes have you seen in your campaigns and what sort of actions have you taken to mitigate the uh, the data loss that, that people are experiencing with iOS? I would like to preface with that. While there are so many Facebook experts out there who have spent days and weeks like attending every talk that they can to really learn about this, this has not been something that I've let myself get caught up on um, just because of the fact that a lot of our audiences are owned, even though I do top of funnel work. We have over 50% of our site traffic coming from like just search, just coming in from search or direct, you know, over 50% is search or direct. So we're not in a place where we're highly concerned about Facebook. Facebook had shut down. And I think that we, you know, we wouldn't be exactly where we're at, but like we would be okay. And we've all talked about that and discussed that internally that we've worked so hard to be good at SEO, like making sure our SEO is good and like making sure that we're not reliant on just one channel to build our business, that we're okay if something were to happen. So with that being said, a lot on our Facebook advertising hasn't changed. Like a lot of the targeting that we have access to around weddings and interests has not changed a lot. And we do have such a broad audience. Like there are so many people who are getting married that it hasn't really impacted the sizes of our audiences because of that, you know, so that hasn't changed much. I would say the biggest change that we've seen is reporting. You know, clearly we talked about this whenever we first were discussing doing this conversation, having this conversation. And when I took over, we were under 3X ROAS last November, December. And within 30 days of launching my campaigns, I was seeing an average of 10X ROAS across the ad account. Like that's the average. Like some ad 
sets, we're seeing like 50 plus X ROAS. So like, you know, we were having a really good time on social right before iOS 14, 15 kind of hit. Uh, now I would say it's closer to like seven or eight average, which is still fabulous. I'm not upset about it. Um, but there is a clear distinct difference in like what that ROAS looks like. And I don't really think it has much to do with the audience. I think it has a lot more to do with reporting because we're still having our biggest month ever month after month. So, you know, to me, iOS impact, like the impact there hasn't been big. It hasn't been something that's really affected our marketing strategies. We didn't pull back. There will be times where we will, but like we're not pulling back right now. And like I said, we've had our biggest month, month over month for pretty much all summer until this month, September we slow down, but that's because of the natural ebb and flow of the wedding industry. It's not because our ad performance dropped due to iOS 15. So yeah, it's not that big for us. That's, that's really interesting. And I was, I'm wondering when you, when I hear that you, you like, did you end up spending more when you went from three X ROAS to 10 X or did you just spend much more efficiently? Was, you know, was it being spent before in a way that wasn't fully attributable and that when you took away the spend, you got the same sales and the attribution was just better. Oh, yeah. I mean, or did you actually increase the volume too? It, it was a little bit of both. Um, we added a little bit of money, but honestly, it's really about the efficiency. Um, I would say when I joined, we were targeting, I was taking over from a paid social agency who the targeting was bad. They were, they were outside of their age range. And this is like something that I see a lot now with like Facebook experts and like I'm, I have access to so many ad accounts. Like I see some of ev people watching this, like the, some of your favorite like darling brands that come to your mind, I probably have seen the inside of their ad account. And I've seen people with hundreds of dollars per purchase because they're just blowing money at the under eight, like 16 to eight, like 16 to 65 plus. They're just blowing money on this like huge section of people that are literally never going to purchase on your site. They're just wasting your money. So it's like, that's kind of what happened when I joined. And then again, just like the, the funnel system is I think very critical to how our ad performance is, you know, going and how it, how it first transitioned. Um, with the kind of circling back to like the way the wedding purchase lifestyle works is like the first time you hit them is not going to be the time that they purchase. Like you probably need to at the minimum follow up with them like for three months, like unless again, there are very last minute planners and didn't think about suiting until the month before, which would be stupid. Um, but anyway, with that being said, just a general retargeting campaign wasn't going to work for us. And so that was kind of the thing that I think saw the biggest switch. And like I said, spending that money more efficiently, instead of putting all this money towards conversions and retargeting, I, I built the funnel out a lot more. And at first I, my co-founder who I, you know, is my, who I directly report to was like, Kristen, there's no purchases in the, in the traffic campaign. Um, like, so I don't think we should be running the traffic campaign. I was like, no, sorry. It's because of how Facebook attribution works. Like, of course, they're not going to attribute it to the traffic campaign when I've retargeted them four different times in the conversion campaign. It's going to go there. So I'm not expecting to see conversions in the traffic campaign. But over time, I actually did start seeing conversions in the traffic campaign, um, probably post suit shop and like these people who are purchasing outside of weddings that happen to filter in, which again, I have filtered pretty heavily. So that would just be by accident or iOS 15 mishaps. But anyway, um, with that being said, like 
we started seeing conversions kind of all throughout the funnel, but again, they stay very deep at the bottom of the funnel is like where all of our conversions come. And so I think it was really just all about efficiency. And then from there, I was able to scale a budget a little bit more. But when I first took over, I wouldn't say that we like doubled budget or, you know, even added 50% budget. We just, we were just being efficient. It's, it's impressive uh, to, to think about marketing in that life cycle sense. And, and it's amazing that it's paid off so well. Yeah, I was thinking about this kind of going into the interview and I was I was thinking about it more from the context of the suit job, not as directly tied to weddings. And I was just thinking about formal events in the pandemic and how that has actually gone. And my, my thinking was, okay, there'd probably be less events or people wouldn't be going as all out. But that's not what you're seeing at all, uh, especially in the wedding space. Well, now, but, you know, yeah. prior to me joining, like when we look at the... 2020 year. That's why we're having such a busy year this year. And that's why we're having such a busy year next year is because people were postponing and canceling. And now they're, you know, people went in eloped. And what's Mm -hmm. funny is like, this is a side note, but like Pinterest predicts came out with a whole report about how people are searching small, intimate elopement, wedding, like small weddings, all these things. So I think we're going to, because of the pandemic and people realizing that like elopements were okay, I think we'll begin to see even more of that going into 2022 and 2023. But with that being said, I think we did see a, a huge impact. We definitely saw a huge impact. Like you can see in our numbers, like I mean, across the board that we had this huge spike in the beginning of like, um, you know, people planning spring weddings and then just dropped off for them in 2020. That was, you know, prior to me joining. So I don't have a lot there other than just being able, like I said, we have that dashboard with the wedding management groups or the group management. So like we could see all of the postponements happening in real time and being able to see them being pushed. So it definitely did impact formal events. It did impact weddings. I would say at this point, it's impacting them a lot less. And I think now that we're seeing the vaccine roll out and we have different, um, I mean, the vaccine has rolled out and people are still getting it. But like now that more of the population is vaccinated and people are feeling more comfortable and realizing that the vaccine is working for them um, or working for the people around them if they haven't taken it, I think they're feeling more comfortable being around people at events. You know, we're, so we're seeing that come back. But you know, I don't really have a lot to say there. It's just like it did impact us and now it's coming back. Like that's, I mean, that's just kind of it. There's a rebound. Yeah, I think rebound. that's what's kind of interesting is that there really was, there's always a come up, right? You can suppress something mm-hmm. for a while, but then when you open it back up, there will be that reaction that was suppressed. And even now, like the, the future is a little uncertain, but there we're in this window now that things seem to be getting better. So I could see that really continuing. So that's really exciting. I wanted to talk about content. I was thinking about this ahead of time, just thinking like, what an opportunity for content when most of these people are, you know, going to be wearing your product at, you know, maybe the best party they'll ever, the most expensive party they'll ever plan, and usually the best party they've ever had. So the opportunity for content for UGC must be really endless. How do you, how have you prioritized going about getting like prime content? So this is interesting. I was thinking about this as I was like getting ready for this call because I knew it would probably come up Um, as someone who like voice forwards about content and then works in this place where we do get a lot of free content. So the one thing I will say is like, I want to say we don't get every wedding album, but if someone tags us in a photo from their wedding on Instagram, instantly DM, hey, can you send a weddings at suitshop.com? So we've got hundreds of wedding albums like with just still photos at least on demand to just go out videos are a little bit harder to come by and the reason uh, one of the reasons is 
just because the groom and the bride are ready to share their big day all over the internet, that doesn't necessarily mean that the people that were suited in the wedding party were, were like signing up to be in an ad. So it gets a little tricky there. Um, you know, we haven't really built out a full influencer program. We have, if an influencer reaches out, we like talk to them and we work it out, but we're not like actively seeking. Whereas like one of our, most complimentary brands, they're also growing really quickly, um, is Birdie Gray. And, you know, we know how their system works and, and they have something a little bit different set up. But with that being said, I've seen where they ask for like a photo release form from everybody in the wedding party. So that way, when they do get that content back from the influencer or the creator, they are able to use it. So there are things to kind of do to work around that if we were to build it out long-term, like trying to constantly get new video content. Um, but for the most part, you know, we get endless photos. And what's interesting about that is like, you have these trends now on TikTok and Instagram reels where you can just align photos to the beat of a song and that made you video. So I've done that. Um, you know, here's a rust and light blue wedding inspiration using trending colors and it's just a slideshow. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to do there. Um, but I would say our biggest opportunity and, you know, we're lucky in this sense. And this is why we're going to that trade show I mentioned earlier. We work with wedding planners and wedding professionals, wedding photographers. Um, and those are the people that honestly get us the best content because in order for them to showcase their work, they either have to show weddings that they've actually produced or they work with other wedding professionals to have a styled shoot. So they put on this big fake wedding and they get a real couple to come in. They hire a photographer, florist, local vendors for rentals, et cetera, and make like a fake wedding. And that's like our real opportunity for content to be able to share both editorially in like these publications or on Instagram and get videos and reels. And, you know, that's, I would say that's where our biggest content opportunity is for that type of content. And then otherwise we just get real weddings all day. Um, I just thought of one more thing actually that's interesting. We recently, if you were to go to suit shop official on Instagram, there's been, I'm not saying you have to go do it, but there is like been this one wedding that I like fell in love with their imagery, the love, like it's just, you know, part of my job is like literally I get paid to cry at wedding photos and videos, <laughs> but we laugh. I laugh about that a lot, but like there was this this wedding and and it's so gorgeous and the the couple is actually a videographer team that does other weddings so the team they hired to do their wedding did a phenomenal job when we saw their wedding video we were like this is a suit shop ad so i reached out to them and was like can you connect us with our videographer would you be cool if they put an ad together for us using your wedding video and so now we're working with their videographer who's currently right now like putting together these gorgeous, fun, upbeat shots from a real wedding that we're going to be using as a banner on our homepage um, for wedding season. So we're really excited about that. Um, and again, it it goes back to what I was saying. Like our biggest opportunity is working with our wedding professionals. So we care a lot about those relationships. I wanted to ask if you had to choose between Facebook ads and Instagram and Reels and TikTok right now, if you had to just pick one, which would you go with? Between the three things? Between Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Facebook, Instagram for my business. Um, if I was selling like Olipop, I will give them a little shout out, or Casely phone cases, TikTok, it would be my answer. But for suit shop, Instagram and Facebook are like huge requirements for the business. Yeah, they have to be, right? With Instagram, it being such, yeah, such a trendsetter. And Facebook being so much more of a personal platform. Yeah. 
there is more personal detail than you get. Uh, TikTok, the algorithm on TikTok may understand your, you know, your psyche pretty well, but it doesn't know your timeline as well. Exactly. So uh, with that being said, you know, if there's anything I've learned and, you know, as an, as an individual consumer of content, not just as like a marketer, but, and you've probably all seen the headlines, anybody listening or watching is like, TikTok looks at how long you view something. It's not necessarily if you like it, but if you're watching something multiple times and it's there's wedding hashtags or it's wedding content, then they're going to start serving you wedding content. Like I, like I said, I'm not engaged. I'm not planning a wedding for real. And I am deep in wedding talk. I know every trick and trade of the wedding planners. I know how brides are saving money, like just because of the industry I'm in. And so I'm interested in that content. So with that being said, like, even if they don't know the timeline, the, if you're posting organic content and it's very relevant and people are watching it, then like you can kind of control that in some in some capacity. So there is that. Okay, so uh, one of our our stock questions is if we were to give you a fifty thousand dollar grant for your marketing program, where would you put it uh, right now to see the biggest return over the next six months? I my initial thoughts go to like content, whether that's hiring a creative agency to build multiple content. If that's working with influencers or creators or creative network, I would, you know, there's that. I don't think that I would go ham on like Facebook ads or paid social. It would all be around content or creating some sort of space for my insiders and my wedding professionals to be able to to build that relationship there. Cause like if you get a wedding professional that loves you and tells every single couple and they do 20 to 30 weddings a year, then, and they can sell like a 5% and you do that scalably with hundreds of wedding professionals that could just float the business with like no payment, like no ads, nothing like that could float the business. So I would say either content working with the, the wedding professionals or potentially even um, doing like pop-up shops or like collaborative like brand um, brand collabs with like some off-kilter scenarios, like where I would go with like something that's not specifically wedding related, where I'm dragging someone else into the wedding industry and I'm putting myself into an industry where we're not totally centered. So I'd say like one of those three things would be where we'd go if I were given $50,000 to do whatever I wanted. And you are investing a little bit right now, like, like the trade show play that you discussed a little bit, like that really is investing in those professionals or is it, or is that more like, are you going to meet a lot of wedding professionals there? Is it also wedding consumers as well? Or is it mainly a professional's environment? So wedding professionals, like 100%, there's going to be, I think right now there's 5,000 attendees that are all wedding professionals. And my job right now, even though I don't normally focus a lot on wedding professionals, like usually our business development manager does most of that. A lot of my job for the last like week and a half, two weeks is like I'm putting together what I'm, you know, I'm calling it the save the day kit instead of save the date. And it's just a wedding professional survival kit. It's got like Advil gum, a hydration pack, a body wipe from Good Wipes. Um, It's got a shout wipe, a tape measure, like a soft tape measure and a sewing kit. And it's in a branded suit shop, like toiletry bag that they'll hopefully use over and over again. It's a very nice bag. Um, So we put on a budget five to $10 per insider. And our goal is to get at least a thousand of them to sign up to be an insider with us, which is free. There's no obligation. Literally all you have to do is sign up and you're going to get 
a series of like 12 emails over 12 months, similar to the um, regular wedding consumer um, that kind of just is like helpful. Like, hey, this is what we offer. You can get free loaners from us for styled shoots. We'll do white glove service with your couples. This is your discount code that only you have um, for your couples. It's the only way a couple can get a discount is through an insider. So it's very exclusive. And with that being said, like, you know, we're hoping that those things will convert them. And then what we'll be able to leave there with 500 to 1,000 new wedding professional insiders who will then help us grow our business. That's the goal. Which would be worth well more than that $50,000. I don't, I don't know what it costs you to, to exhibit there, but like the, the upside on something like that is just incredible. Is this the first time you guys have been to a trade show like this or have you done that in the past? If we've done something specifically for wedding professionals, I can't really honestly speak to that because I don't know. Um, but we do other things that are focused towards wedding consumers. So for example, in 2022, we're the exclusive menswear partner of this really cool intimate show called the big fake wedding. They get a real couple in like multiple cities. I think we have like 20 cities. So in 20 cities, there will be a real couple who's either renewing vows or eloping, like getting married. And then all the guests are people who are planning weddings. Like they are planning their own wedding. So the guests are all fake. Like they all have a few guests of their own, but then the hundred or 200 people that show up that they're there to see the vendors in real time, like the local photographer, the local florist, um, suit shop. Like, so we're going to be the menswear partner there. So that's like a, a very contrasting different approach where we're only maybe getting a hundred or 200 leads per event, but people are seeing us in real time. They're getting to see what the suit's like. We get to talk to those people. And these people are in a different place of their wedding planning journey than someone who goes to like a huge trade show to see every vendor ever. So there's various ways that we get involved with trade shows, but in-person events are also a big part of our business. I would say they help us get deeper into the industry, especially with our new name. That's really, I, I, I spent a lot of time planning different trade show events and different, uh, different swag to try to make that impact. And it was, it was amazing in, in, in our, in our case, it was like a B2B type thing. And we, we ended up coming away with one contract, but that contract floated the business for the next five years, right? Like, and it can be amazing and, it, uh, you know, that in-person effect. And I, I hope we get an opportunity to do more of it. I've sort of been in my uh, recording studio here for a year and three months now. So I'm excited for the world opening back up for sure. I'm excited too. Uh, something interesting about me, uh, before I got into e-commerce, I worked in SaaS and startups. So I helped launch Uber Eats in a lot of big cities like DC, Miami, Atlanta. But prior to that, my first job was I was a campus rep for Yik Yak and I would hand out socks. Um, and then from there I got to be like a, <laughs> I got to be on their like actual internal um, freelance team where I was going to all over the place. It wasn't just my college anymore. I was being flown places, but I love in-person marketing. You know, clearly I like to talk and I'm a personable person. So like being in person helps me create like very good you know, relationships with my audience, but also it goes kind of beyond that because then they have a face that, or like a person that is associated with the brand that if they like that person or they like that conversation they had or that experience they had with that person, they have a totally different view of what the brand is than somebody who just got to see us online or talk with us in an email. So I think it's something super exciting and I hope that we continue to have those things happen as COVID lifts a little bit and like, you know, things start, we, everybody, the world starts healing a little bit from having to be shut down. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that and I hope it continues to go the way that it is now. 
Did you have any, like, I just think you've got, you've got a lot of experience. Again, you're so hands-on. Is there anything top of mind that you're kind of thinking about a lot when it comes to marketing that you'd leave our audience with as sort of advice for, for Q4 here? I will touch on something. Q4 for us is the slowest quarter of the year, which is hilarious considering all D2C and e-commerce is like the busiest month or quarter of the year. Um, I would say in relation to this, I actually am going to be talking about this in a few weeks. Um, It's all around retention. As you go into this really busy quarter, you're going to be getting a lot of people who are just in that shopping mindset. They've been saving money, waiting for Black Friday, and you get your ads in front of them. They make that purchase. It's like, what do you have in place to keep them as a customer and build their lifetime value? I think for us, it's a little different. So it's hard to talk about what we're doing specifically. But if I had to give advice to people surrounding Q4 initiatives, my dream scenario is like having a set up automated flow that is so personalized based off behaviors that happened within that four to seven day window of cyber week. Like what did they purchase? What sale did they come in on? Did they come in on the 20% off you did on black Friday or did they come in on the buy two, get one free that you had on Monday? Like what was it that converted them? Like making sure you have all those tools in place to know where they came from, what got them to convert, seeing all those things and then following up with them accordingly. So that way they stay a customer long-term And that I would say is like the biggest piece of advice. And the second piece of advice is like working with creator networks, I think is such a, is such a good thing. Like the social Savannah we talked about in the beginning, we get their products. I have a whole dresser, literally the whole dresser is full of products. Like I have 50 phone cases, like, you know, working with these people that have the vetted creators who are going to give you good content that converts if you're during a slow season and you've got nothing to think about, be thinking about that. Be thinking about how can I get more content efficiently with vetted creators that's going to convert. And think about people like the Social Savannah. Think about people like the Quality Edit who can give you editorial pieces with backlinks and UGC. Like there's these resources out there and some of them are still newer and people don't know about them, but be thinking about content and be thinking about retention, follow-up, customer experience. That's it. That is Great advice. And let's give a plug to the quality edit as well, because this is, I'm, I'm very interested. You have a few minutes. Uh, I'm just interested in the intersection of the D2C marketing space and the D2C customer experience, because we, you know, just on the newsletter, we've started to have our first uh, brands come out and say, Hey, we'd like to sponsor your newsletter. And we'd never thought of it. Like we're always looking for the Clavios and the big, you know, the big service brands. But the fact is, I think there's a, there's a pretty big overlap between uh, you know, D2C marketers, founders, workers, and ideal D2C customers. Is that something you find as well? Or is there less overlap? I would say both. Like, I mean, I don't know if both is, the, is it is an appropriate answer, but um, like me, for example, I am an operator. I'm a marketing director. I have a, lot, a very hands-on at Suit Shop, but I love being a consumer too. I love going through the marketing funnel. I love new products. And I mean, honestly, anybody I ever talk to is like, I want your job. How do I get all those free things? Like, that's what people want. And like, it's not necessarily just the free things, it's the products. Like they're like, how did you hear about this? How did you know about the bear bee weighted blanket? How did you know about feels CBD? Like, how did you find these things? And it's like, because I'm deep in the market, I love finding these brands. So for me, you know, the quality edit, I will give a plug to them. I love working with the quality edit. I posted on Twitter last year. I like making content, send me products. I'll make you some ads. And I was doing it unpaid for like about a month and then it like blew up. So it's not free anymore, but the quality edit, um, had reached her, their co-founder had reached out to me, Lauren, 
And my relationship with them has really established. Now I'm an editor. I write long form reviews for brands or do roundups. I also create the content. So that's like a really cool, interesting way for people to get in front of new products because what we're doing at the quality edit is we're looking for all new launches. Like Nick Jonas, the Jonas Brothers just backed a popcorn brand. We knew about it and we put it in our newsletter. I got to get him on the podcast. You got to get I'd him on the podcast. I'd even take Joe. You no, know, I want Joe. It's Kevin I'd even take. Joe's the number one Jonas, right? I don't know. Nick, Nick, Nick is what I'm thinking. Nick is, the, Nick is the Jonas. I was like, Nick has, Nick has a, he's got a whole brand to himself. Joe, Joe kind of did there too, but I think Nick might be the, the clear winner. I mean, I've had Spaceman, his, one of his new singles on my top played songs recently. So, um, but anyway, there's just, there is overlap. And I think, you know, it just depends on like, it also might depend on like the financial mentality that somebody has. <laughs> there might people who are founders and are really managing a lot of dollars and care a lot about where every dollar goes might not be the best consumer. But I think for me, I'm not like a founder of suit shop and I'm not a founder of any like direct to consumer brand, but I work with so many of them and I've worked with so many brands and I've seen so many products that like me, I'm a great consumer. I love getting the ads. I will click on the ad and purchase through the ad so that the marketer gets credit. Like I love that. And I think from the marketing perspective, there's a huge overlap. All marketers that I'm inter interconnected with on Twitter are sharing products with each other and, you know, doing that and, and supporting each other. What Even if they're not like get it, gifting the product, they're, they're supporting each other. Like Olipop, for example, I love their retention, like their customer experience and retention, like director. Eli, I, you know, I connected with him on clubhouse. Now I'm connected with him on Twitter and I subscribe to at least one case a month, but I always end up buying like two or three extra on top of it. So, you know, there, there just definitely overlap people, especially in this niche, I guess, or just in DTC in general want to support each other. So I think there is a huge opportunity there to like, to have that overlap and advertise within the space just because people want to see what's coming up and what's new and, and who's doing what in their marketing flows. Cause if you buy something, you're going to know what the post-purchase flow is like. So it, there's so much to do. There's so much there. And you can write it off Then you can just write it off too, as a, as a, as a marketing expert. I think that's really interesting. And, and I will just use that as an opportunity to tell any brands listening out there. If you want to advertise a DTC newsletter, DTC podcast, get after us. We can chat about it because there is a large overlap. Uh, let's leave people with an opportunity. If you want to connect to learn more uh, about your your marketing director journey as well as your your content, uh, how could how would you suggest they reach out on Twitter? Yeah, I would say Twitter is definitely the best in terms of like D2C and marketing. It's just Kristen X Jones, K-R-I-S-T-E-N X Jones. Um, I recently started a content page where I use it for like white, for other people can use for whitelisting, but I've been trying to post more of like the content that I create because a lot of the people don't get to see that because I don't want to flood people with unnecessary things. So that's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, the creator. So you can find that. There's literally four videos. It's not exciting yet. And then, you know, if you ever want to see what type of content I'm posting on a regular basis, then Suit Shop Official's Instagram is going to be where you want to go. Because like we talked about, I'm very hands-on and a lot of the organic social falls on me as well. So thankfully, we have a copywriter that helps with captions now. Nice. Well, you may be heading to some hires in the new year if you guys continue to scale. But it's been really nice uh, chatting with you and getting someone with a, yeah, such a broad swath of experience. So uh, thanks again. This has been great. Yeah, thank you again for having me. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. If you're ready to access the proven performance marketing blueprint that scales your brand post iOS 14.5, if you're looking for the Facebook marketing system that's driven over $50 million in value for Pilot House's clients in just the last six months, then you are looking for Scale School, Facebook and Instagram ads made by D2C in partnership with Pilot House. You can go to d2cnews.link slash scale school right now to access the course for a $1,000 discount this week only. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.